The first reading is taken from Exodus 2, verses 23 to 25. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked out on the Israelites and was concerned about them. The next reading is from John chapter 8, and it's verses 31 to 38. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. This is God's word. My name is Christopher Ash. I'm a part of the morning preaching team here. And uh, it's a great joy to be preaching on this day of celebrating the baptisms of Archie and Ellie Rose and Nathaniel. And I want to preach to us all a wonderful promise of freedom. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed, really free. Now, of course, we're all in favor of freedom, liberty, equality, fraternity, proclaims the French Revolution, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, proclaims the American Declaration of Independence. Some years ago, the head of technology for Microsoft spoke at a conference and said, technology will liberate us from the vile constraints of nature. The net will set you free, or perhaps the PC will set you free, but probably not the Mac. (laughs) We're all in favor of freedom. It's like motherhood and apple pie. No politician puts in their manifesto, elect us, and we will bring you into slavery. We will introduce tyranny. We're all in favor of freedom. But what does freedom mean? Our instinctive answer is that freedom means freedom from constraints, freedom to choose and to do what I want to do. I want to assemble to meet with others. I want freedom of assembly. I want to say something. I want freedom of speech. I want to buy something. I want the money that will set me free to buy it. I want to enter a particular relationship. I want freedom to to enter the relationship that I choose. But a moment's thought suggests that freedom is not as simple as as that. It is a slippery thing. What does freedom mean, for example, for an addict? Somebody is addicted, perhaps, to alcohol or some drug or pornography. What does freedom mean? Is freedom the freedom to indulge, the freedom to do what I want to do? Or might freedom be something else? And in this short passage in John's Gospel, chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ 
tells us of the freedom that he's going to offer. And I want us to notice that it's a very different freedom. And here are some features of it. First of all, it is, if I can, I'm not sure if this is the right word, but, but, but I've used the word gradual. Verse 31. There's a very strange passage we're about to get into in John's Gospel. So the, the previ- end of the previous passage, verse 30, even as Jesus spoke, many put their faith in him. And you think that's marvelous. Many people, are, they're finally persuaded they're going to be followers of Jesus. And then verse 31, Jesus speaks to them. They've believed him. And he says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hang on in there, if you abide, if you remain, if you stay. And before very long, he's going to be very rude to them. And we'll, we'll come to that next week. He's going to say some very hard things to them, uh, which indicate that he's pretty confident that they're not real followers of him, if you hold to my teaching. Now, here's the background. In, uh, in verse 12, uh, earlier on in the chapter, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And he says it at the Jewish festival of tabernacles or tents, when they remembered coming out of slavery in Egypt, going through the wilderness, the desert, and then into the promised land and living in tents or tabernacles on, on, the, on, the, on the way, that festival. And when he says, I'm the light, he's saying, I'm, I'm like the fiery, cloudy pillar that they followed in those Old Testament days from slavery through the desert into freedom. And of course, that's a very evocative picture and has been so in human history. When Nelson Mandela, his autobiography, I think it was called, wasn't it, A Long Walk to Freedom?, When he was released from prison in 1990, they had a rally in a stadium in Soweto, and the speaker said this, Comrade President, here are your people gathered to pay tribute to their Messiah, their Savior. These are the comrades and the combatants that fought tooth and nail in the wilderness. They toiled in the valley of darkness, and now that their Messiah and Savior is released, they want to be shown the way to freedom. Freedom. Long walk to freedom. And Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, if you don't just say, oh, I think it might be nice to tag along behind Jesus, come along to church, do some Christian things, but if you hold to my teaching, if you hang on in there and pay the cost of being a Christian follower of Jesus, and you hold on in there, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And what lies behind this is something that we all know, whether we're Christian or not, which is that people begin to tag along behind Jesus and then sometimes they go in through the front door of a church and at some point they just slip out through the back door and stop following Jesus. In John's Gospel, Judas Iscariot is the supreme and most awful example of that. A man who followed Jesus, a man who was on the inside of the twelve, the apostles, and seemed to be a follower, a real follower of Jesus, but in the end turned not turned out not to be. I was reading a, a letter from a friend who's a minister, and he said that in his church, one or two people have begun to, to, to say that they're Christians, and he says, please pray that they will be John 8.31 people, people who hold to Jesus' teaching right to the end. 
And Jesus doesn't offer an immediate, cheap, easy, light freedom. So you, 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 you sign up for Jesus and, uh, and then you're free, just like that. Very easy. He doesn't offer that. He says, if you hang on in there, you follow me out of slavery through the desert into the promised land in the Old Testament picture. You hang on in there following me and you will find freedom. It's a gradual thing. Second, it's a revealed thing. He says, if you follow me, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And in John's gospel, the truth means this. It means that Jesus, the man Jesus of Nazareth, made known God the Father. So if you watch Jesus, listen to Jesus, you will see and hear God the Father. It is the only reliable revelation of God that you will find in the world. People speculate about God in all sorts of different ways. There are all sorts of religions and philosophies. But Jesus says, if you, if you follow me, you'll know the truth, the reality of God the Father. That will be revealed to you. And that truth will set you free. But the striking thing is that he's offering them this marvelous freedom and they don't want it. Verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. Now, I don't know quite what they meant, because if you know the history of the centuries before Jesus, uh, you, 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 you may know that uh, the people of Israel had been subject peoples to many empires, many of them to the Assyrians and then the Babylonians and then the Greek empire of Alexander the Great and his successors, and then now, uh, Jesus' day, the Romans. So in one sense, they've politically been the underdogs many times, and I guess they knew that. So I don't know quite what they meant by saying we've never been slaves of anyone. It may be like a Welshman singing, land of my fathers is dear unto me, the land of the poets, the land of the free, (laughs) which may be a triumph of make-believe, I don't know. Any Welshman here? You can talk to me later. (laughs) I don't know quite what they meant when they said we've never been slaves of anyone. In our first reading, there's no need to turn back to it, but at the time of the Exodus, the Hebrews were slaves of the pharaohs under the pharaohs of Egypt, and they cried to God, and and, and the, the Bible says that God remembered his covenant with Abraham. He remembered he'd made a promise to Abraham, the, 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 the sort of the beginning of the Jewish people. And he made a promise, and he remembered that promise. And it, they may be saying, the exodus has happened. Of course, our, our forefathers were slaves in the Egypt of the pharaohs, but they came out of Egypt. They went through the desert. They came into the promised land. We, we have a status as children of Abraham, they may have meant. We are free people. Uh, we, we, we bow to no one. It may be that, that kind of thing. But one way or another, they didn't want the freedom that Jesus offered. Now, here's the thing. This often happens with the religious mindset or the respectable or moral mindset. A man or woman says, you Christians are saying that Jesus offers me freedom, but I don't need freedom. I am perfectly free. I stand with my head held high. I'm moral. I'm religious. Um, perhaps I'm philosophical, I may be religious in an atheist kind of way, but I'm, a, I'm an upright kind of person. 
I have my convictions. I'm a free person. I don't need freedom. There's almost nothing so sad as illusory freedom. The prisoner walking around their cell thinking that they're free, imagining that they're free. And that's what's going on. It's like the addict. I'm free. I've got money to have another drink. I'm free. Nobody's constraining me not to have another drink. And yet there's a terrible slavery there. So it's a strange thing that the people to whom Jesus offered freedom very soon are going to kill him. So what's going on? And Jesus clarifies verse 34. And he says this. So they say, how can you say that we shall be set free? Verse 33. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I want to unpack this because it's very important and we can all understand it. Unconstrained freedom to do what I choose is all very well. I want to be free to enter into a relationship I choose. I want to be able to free to buy something I choose. Uh, I, 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 I want a freedom to do what I want The problem is, what do I want? And the problem is that that's only going to do me any good if what I want is what I ought to want. If what I want is going to lead to life. So my classic example of the addict, I want another drink. If you make me unconstrained, you give me the money so that I'm free to have another drink. I do what I want, but what I want is destructive. If I have a bitterness or resentment in my heart and I'm free to let it grow, I water it, I fertilize it so that that root of bitterness grows. I may be free to do what I want. I want to be bitter. I want to be resentful. I want to get my own back on people who've treated me badly. I'm free to do that. I'm unconstrained. But as I do that, I destroy myself. And the root problem is sin, which is when I want to do what I want. And we talk about people, don't we? We we use the expression, so-and-so is battling their demons. And we use it as a a kind of idiom, don't we? We say that so-and-so, the problem is they may have money, they may have freedom in many ways... But they've got what we sometimes call inner demons. So we, we, they, they, there's something wrong inside. And what they want is a destructive thing. And of course, this is the problem with all hum, human movements for f- liberty, isn't it? You know, there is a place for trying to r- r- rid a society of tyranny. There is a place for things like the French Revolution, the American Declaration of Independence. There is a place for trying to get rid of tyranny. Tyranny is a terrible and a horrible thing. But every movement for freedom, you might think of South Africa after Mandela, every movement for freedom which began with noble aspirations, it always at some point hits the wall of the human heart. And the trouble with the human heart is that what I want is not what I ought to want. And Jesus says anyone who sins is a slave to sin. One of the other parts of the New Testament 
Peter, one of Jesus' followers, says, he's talking about people who, who, who twist Christianity into saying Christianity means you can do what you like. And he says of them in, in his second letter to Peter, he says, these people promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. They offer freedom. Do what you like. Be unconstrained. Enter into the relationships you like. Buy the things that you like. Do what you like. Think what you like. Speak what you like. But they themselves are slaves of corruption. And so we come to the punchline, which is this. Jesus says a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So he says, imagine an ancient household, and you've got a a, a servant or a bondservant or a slave in that ancient household, and and the slave has no tenure, no security. The slave is on a zero-hour contract. The slave can be kicked out at any time. The slave doesn't really belong. He's just there temporarily. But the son of the family belongs forever. The son has the right to belong to the family. The son is part of the family. And so he says, if the son sets you free, and what lies behind that is this. If you ask Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, what does freedom mean for you? Jesus will say, freedom means wanting to do what my father wants. Always desiring to do what my father wants. My meat and drink, my food is to do his will. That's what I want. I wake up in the morning, I want to do what my father wants. My heart is lined up with my father's heart. That's what I want to do. And he uses that sort of language about being the son. And if you read through John's gospel, and if you're here this morning and you're not a a, a Christian believer, I'd love to encourage you to... Get hold of a Bible, borrow one, steal one of the church ones today. Is that all right, Phil? Can they steal a church one today? Just take one with you, with our our compliments and love, and read through John's Gospel. And as you read through John's Gospel, look for the way the Father, God the Father, relates to the Son, God the Son, Jesus, the Son of God. And you will see a beautiful relationship in which the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. And the father shows the son everything that he he, he does. You find that in chapter 5. And the son does what the father does. And the, the father wants things to happen. And the son wants what the father wants. And the son does what the father wants. It's a beautiful relationship in which freedom is 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 defined not by freedom to choose what I want, but the freedom that comes when my heart is changed, so that in the depths of my heart, I begin to want what God wants, to want what leads to life. It's like the addict being set free from their addiction, being set free to want what the Father wants. It's a wonderful, wonderful freedom. And as you read John's Gospel, And you unpack this promise, if the Son, Jesus the Son, the only human being who has gone through life wanting what God wants perfectly at every point, if he sets you free, you'll be really free. 
you discover the wonderful truth that those who follow Jesus are made children of God. In other words, something happens. It's signified in the baptisms this morning. The baptisms, as Phil said, do do nothing automatic. It's just a bit of water on the outside. But they're a sign of what we pray will be true for those children. That, That the heart will be changed. That there'll be a full and free forgiveness of sins because Jesus died for sinners. And that God will place his Holy Spirit, his personal presence in the heart of those children, of anyone who comes to trust in Jesus. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, talks about the glorious freedom of the children of God. And my friends, if you are not as yet a Christian, the offer of the Christian gospel is this. If you will begin to follow Jesus and then carry on following Jesus right to the end, your heart will be changed. And God will begin to put in you the desire to do what God wants. Not not just a sort of, I'd better do it because otherwise I'll get into trouble, but a heart desire. To, to do that. And if you're a Christian man or woman, the promise to us is that if we hold to Jesus' teaching, we follow him through the desert, right the way to the promised land, as it were, that he will bring us freedom. There is a tension, because in, in, in this life, we, we're still messed up people. There's still lots of sin in us. There's lots of things that that make it difficult for us to do that. We will still sometimes wake in the night with bitter or resentful or self-pitying thoughts and so on. So there is a tension. But there will be in our hearts the beginning of new desires. And as we follow Jesus to the end, those new desires will be perfected. And therefore the freedom that the Lord Jesus offers is a very wonderful freedom. As I say, it's, it's a very good thing when movements seek liberation from tyranny in nations and governments and societies and parts of the world. It's not a bad thing to seek liberation from tyranny. But whenever we seek liberation from tyranny, we come up against the ugliness and the darkness of the human heart. And so often, of course, those idealists who've led the, 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 the charge against tyranny They then become the top people, and they turn out to be every bit as bad as their predecessors. Isn't that right? You see that again and again, don't you, in human societies. See it in the French Revolution. Horrible tyranny. They fight against it, and the people who fought against it turn out to be just as bad as the people they fought against. That happens again and again in every human society. And what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying if the Son sets you free... He will make you a child of God. He will put into your heart the Spirit of God. He will begin to change your desires so that freedom for you or for me, if we are Christian people, is not the freedom to do what I want to do. It's not the freedom that kicks against constraints and the frustration of the constraints that stop me doing what I want to do. The freedom now is the freedom to want what God wants, to freedom to freedom to want the good, 
Freedom to what, want what leads to life. Freedom from bitterness. Freedom from self-pity. Freedom from lust. Freedom from greed. Freedom from selfish grasping for power. Freedom from the ugly desires that we all have in our hearts that lead to death and slavery. And it's a wonderful promise. And friends, you and I will only find that in Jesus. We will not find that in any philosophy or religion. We will find that in Jesus because only Jesus has lived that perfect life of sonship, always wanting what the Father wants. And it is a beautiful and a wonderful thing to be set free in him. Do you want this freedom? The people Jesus spoke to didn't. They wanted the freedom to do what they wanted to do. That's what religious people want. It's what moral people want. It's what upright people want. It's the freedom to do what I want to do and other people to think well of me as I do it. But the freedom Jesus offers is a deeper and a wonderful freedom. Let's be quiet for a moment and then I'll say a prayer before I hand back uh, to Phil. If the sun sets you free, you will be really free. God our Father, we thank you for the beautiful freedom of the Lord Jesus. Freedom to love and want and do what leads to life. Freedom to love and want and do what you love and want and do. We thank you for the promise of the gospel that if we follow Jesus, that freedom will begin to become ours. We pray for those of us who are Christian believers that we might hold to his teaching, follow him to the end. We pray that there might be others who begin to discover the joy and the wonder and the beauty of that freedom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.